0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. A rather sad day for English cricket. Fortress Edgbaston has been breached by the Australians, by a brilliant last day performance, I'm sure you've already heard all about it, 146 all out is all England could muster in 52 overs, as both Nathan Lyon and Pat Cummins shared the wicket 6 for 49 for Nathan Lyon who quite often actually doesn't perform so well on the last day of test matches, and 4 for 32 for Pat Cummins who exploited the uneven bounce in the uh, Edgbaston 5th day pitch top score was Chris Wokes with a determined 37, a couple of batsmen early on got in Jason Roy 28 and Joe Root 28 but they just couldn't deal with that with vicious spin and bounce and uneven seam movement as well from Cummins so one up to Australia I'm going to look back at that defeat with two men who have interesting different perspectives on it. Firstly, Trent Woodhill, the Australian batting coach who's known Steve Smith since he was very young, and also later we're going to talk to Liam Plunkett about what he's been doing in the aftermath of the World Cup and maybe how he would get Steve Smith out. So, of course, the big focus on the next week or so will be who will play for England in the second test with Anderson obviously ruled out, Jofra Archer ...bound to come back in. But who will be the spinner? Because Mo and Ali had a disappointing match with Bat and Ball... ...and actually, if you look at Smith's record... His stats against fast bowling averages about 64. His average against off-spin, 90. But his average against left-arm spin, only 34. And both Ravi Jadeja and also Rangana Harath, the Sri Lankan, have got him out a few times and troubled him. So that is going to be a big focus for England over the next week. How do you get Steve Smith out? Because after all, if you look at the result of this match... The Australians won by 252 runs, and Smith scored 286 in the game. So he clearly was the difference between the teams. And if you go back to the first innings of the match, when Australia were 122 for 8, it was Smith who was still in who managed to convert about 40 not out at the time to 144, and that gave Australia a first-innings total of 284, which should really have been about 180. So they got 100 too many in the first innings, and then obviously Smith rubbed it all in in the second innings with that excellent, sublime 142, and uh, really put the game out of reach of England. I think it was only a matter of time today before the Australians polished the English batsmen off. So, as I say, it's uh, interesting to talk to a man who's known Steve Smith since he was very young. Trent Woodhill is a specialist batting coach, particularly working with a lot of white ball franchises in both the IPL and, of course, the Big Bash. And he's over here at the moment, keeping a close eye on this series. And he knew Steve Smith as a teenager, and I asked him what he first saw that he really liked.
1: I saw him as a 15-year-old, and he was uh, precocious, talented, um, you know, and he was still forming as a as a both as a, as a man and also as a cricketer. And what I, I instantly liked about him was that he was unusual. It wasn't the production line young player that I'd seen come through Australian cricket, where they all tended to look the same, have the same body shape, uh, have the same skill set. So my. My um, if you like um, curiosity around Stephen meant that I, I, I got to to know him pretty well and and also understand um, his, his mechanics and I became protective of it because I, I thought he was some someone that was really really good and to me didn't have any any mechanical weaknesses even though nobody seemed to understand how he did it um, and that was probably more. Around my sort of um, um, frustration with the Australian game, that that you know, there wasn't too many different things. So, in in my my work with Stephen, over a long period of time, it was it's only ever been about making sure he was doing the things that he did naturally. Um, if I if I take someone like David Warner, I've done more mechanically around. Uh, structural change with him, whereas Stephen was all about protecting what he already had. Um, and that, that was well followed up by Michael Divinuto at a much uh, much later date, you know, in that Australian uh, side where, you know, DiVa and Stephen became a really good force together and that's where he went from, you know, a player with talent to, a, to a, an absolute superstar. Um, and it's, you know, it, you look at Rory Burns, you look at Stephen Smith, both... Both players do things a lot differently to what, if you like, the old guard, and not so much as in age, but the old guard of thinking sees a player, and and we get confused by that. And, and you know, it happens in other sports, and it just progresses and, and goes along a lot quicker in, in sports like golf and tennis. If I think of Jim Furick, or I think of uh, Jim Courier, two players who who had different styles and. And th- th- it was about winning more so than it was about how they look. So they-, they could get away with it. Whereas in cricket, it's easy to pull somebody apart, um, even when they are winning or when they are doing well.
0: What were the um, mechanics uh, of Smith that you particularly liked? And, and what-, what are the things that actually do work for him?
1: Well, four stump to Stephen has always been middle stump to everybody else. So, um, in the early days when he was a sort of nineteen, twenty-year-old, he was—if I threw him a ball, if he faced a ball and it was going to hit a four stump, in the, in the imaginary, imaginary sense, that was an onside shot for him. Um, likewise, the fifth stump was a straight drive, and then six, six stump he would he was able to collapse his, his back leg, get his hands um, through the ball uh, at a much later phase than than a conventional, if you like, top top hand dominant player. Um, and, and I just liked that because it just made sense. Because inevitably there was a six three field, so anyone bowling in the channel to Stephen, especially full, it just got, got hit through the onside, uh, and that was to me that was the that was the starting point of, of where he was at. Um, and then he's developed those things, you know, with the back and the cross where he found he was in a position to, to deal with a, a hip-height ball or, um, you know, the top-of-off stump ball as well. So it, it, I think it's a pretty simple thing, but, it, but it's, a similar, it's similar to Kane Williamson. It's similar to Virat Kohli. How they arrive at that point is different, but it's a similar thinking. And then I go back to the greats as well of, of, of people like Viv Richards. They, they did that really easily as well. And it was... It, it was the things that happened before he struck the ball that people were concerned about and, and then the areas he was hitting the ball that people were concerned about rather than the fact that 99% of the time when he made contact it was in the middle of the bat so it didn't matter where, you know, which side of the field it was hit at it was always going through a gap and going to the boundary.
0: It's interesting to, to kind of uh, surmise where these uh, particular idiosyncrasies came from. I once went to Viv Richard's old playground in Antigua and talked to him about that. Uh, that's where he learned to play. And they bowled from one end and there was a... Uh, he When they bowled outside off stump, he hit the ball over, over mid-off or over long-off. Yeah. And over long-off, there was uh, a fisherman's house and garden and the fisherman never threw the ball back. He was a grumpy old sod. So if Viv hit the ball over long off from a sort of off-stump line, he was six and out because the rules of their local game was if you hit the ball out of the park and it didn't come back, you're out. There was a a building over long on past the the back of the playground and if you hit the ball over long on, it bounced off the building and came back into the playground. So he worked out that he could hit a six and still be in if he hit the ball from outside off-stump over long on. I wonder if Smith had anything like that, so everybody's a product of their environment.
1: Yeah, exactly, and, and, and Stephen worked really closely with his dad, Peter, uh, for, you know, for a long period of time, up, up until the age of 16, and, and continues on. So so there would have been things that Peter and Stephen did together that, that would have um, led him to where he's at. I think also, uh, like, you know, I, have some, I have some theories as well that around where your dominance lies, and I, and Australian cricket speaks a lot of top hand dominant you know that you have to have a strong top hand to be able to control the bat but I've seen since you know the inception of the IPL that most of the young Indian players coming through have strong bottom hands and and in Stephen's case he um you know with that strong bottom hand grip he's got enormous control through the right side of his body so it makes sense for him to to make contact with the ball later Whereas somebody like an Aaron Finch is exceptional with his, with his um, his top hand being his dominant hand being a left hand and he, he can hit the ball out in front uh, with it with a lot more success than than certain other players. So it you know, it's where that where that optimal contact point is when under pressure, that you can repeat, is to me is the first starting point I, I would look at with batsmen and uh, and that you know that was with Stephen seemed natural, even though perhaps it didn't look natural to others.
0: So is it about playing the ball late is that why he keeps making contact with a an off stump ball and still managing to hit it through the leg side yeah
1: yeah and, and it's, but it's because it, that works for him and yeah there's others you know that someone like a matthew wayes that was a very interesting in, innings as well if you if you look at him he's a he's a contact hitter so he's pretty balanced and, and his technique seems to 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 the eye look look pretty pretty normal um, but because he's a contact hitter he needs to actually hit more balls so him letting balls go Sometimes can be more dangerous than him playing it at, at ball, say a second new ball, because he, he gets into a rhythm around around contact and and, and Stephen's the same. Yeah, you know, he he's his patterns are that he every ball is 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 new and fresh. So he, it's not that he he feels comfortable when he's batting. It's just that he, he it's not comfortable or uncomfortable. It's about right. How can I find the middle of the bat to this ball? And when you think of it that simply, it just makes a lot of sense. So your 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 footwork or your or your style or your grip. Shouldn't shouldn't uh, get in the way of, of that. Um, but we, we we feel like we have to set somebody up a certain way so they can handle pressure or they can they can handle a moving ball or a spinning ball or an up-and-down ball. And inevitably under pressure, that's when that falls apart. I mean, Stephen's always had that technique. So to me, I was asked the other day, I, I, I don't feel like he looks any different than when he was 16 and made his, uh, his first... First grade club to do in Sydney. He looks, he looks the same player, which I think is a really healthy, healthy way. It's amazing that when somebody comes along who's different, people keep making the same mistakes. If you're familiar with baseball, Mike Trout's the, you know, the greatest baseball of all time at the moment. In in seven seasons, he's he's wins above replacement records, phenomenal. And he came into baseball when when everybody uh, who was a power hitter would look to hit the balls that were up and over the plate. And that was where pitchers were trained not to pitch. You know, you're you trained to, to, to cut, cut the shins of, of, uh, of batsmen and over over the edges of the plate. But this Mike Trout who came along, he destroyed that, that uh, pitching. So there, there, was a, there was a whole lot of pitchers that continued to pitch low to him because that's what they'd been told to do because that's what they were told success would lie. And Trout just keeps hitting it over the fence. So they had to change their thinking, but, it, but it's ingrained. And, and if, I guess mechanically, if you're ingrained to do something a certain way, and same as the bat, batsmen, it's, it's difficult to change your thinking um, because you know, we're so tied down by it.
0: Well, I mean, physically also, bowlers are conditioned to bowl a certain way and they've had success yeah. doing that for years and yep. years. Yeah. Uh, and to actually change that quite fundamentally... Is, is quite tough. If you were a bowler now, bowling at Smith, how do you get him out?
1: I have a really bad track record when I'm in coaching teams against David Warner and Steve Smith, and I, and I'm always asked in team meetings, right? How do we get these two out? And I I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I spend I spend most of my time trying to make sure that they they don't have any any perceived weaknesses that that you know that through through helping them, not through instructing them. And it's it's a difficult one. I mean, you know, I, I said about Coley, I thought last year, England England bowled, they, they didn't starve him enough of a tempo and, and Coley, like Smith, is a tempo player where they want to create the rhythm of the match and And, and during that first innings um, I, I felt that yeah, because there was so much happening at the other end, it was easy to try and attack Stephen through a certain way rather than starve him of, of strike and starve him of tempo and that was the best way, rather than, than thinking to the technique, right, where's there a weakness in his technique and that's that's where analytics is really dangerous because we, we can look at the, the areas we think, right, I think you know I think this guy's got a problem. He collapses his back leg to, to hit drives inside out. Um, you know, you so said maybe we can come through the gap. But that, that that's actually is probably too too whimsical. Mm. And, and and so you know, I think the, the plans to these top players like like those two, you know, Coley and Williamson. So it's actually changing the the tempo of the game. So it's, it's not played at a tempo that suits
0: them. And I suppose, in a way, what what you're almost saying is that uh, forget about the sort of physical nature of getting him out. Try some mental tricks, which is keep him off strike, starve him of strike. So There's a slightly ar- slight irony there in that you're trying to get a bloke out by keeping him at the non-striker's end. But in a way, that could make them tense up and then try and do things they shouldn't do because they're out of their rhythm.
1: Yeah, and, and that's—I mean—it's a dangerous game, and, I, and I'll, I'll, you know, I'll happily say that. I—I—I I, I don't know. My my answer to everyone has been I—I I, I don't know how to, how how to get Stephen out. I, I just think he's, his appetite now for batting is is only increased upon upon the suspension finishing, and it was so high before beforehand and now it's just through the roof and and I think you know the the difference between the, the the really good players and the incredible players is just that hunger
0: Well, some fascinating thoughts there from Trent Woodhill and uh, he certainly suggests that all the plans to Smith may be all misguided. Certainly England, they tried pretty much everything. They tried hanging the ball outside off stump early on with Smith's excessive jump across to the offside, thinking that it might dry up his runs on the leg side and eventually make him chase one. Well, he did chase one in the end, but he got 142 before he did so against Chris Works in the second innings. Uh, Another theory was bowled straight with more protection on the leg side and a leg slip. Both Stuart Broad and Chris Works tried that Ploy, and there's a couple of narrow escapes where the ball from Smith sort of flicked away on the leg side, went in the air wide of that leg gully fielder. But it's a bit of a lottery, and of course, it does play to his strengths because he gets sort of runs on the leg side. They tried the bouncers as well. Stokes actually did hit him on the head once when he was almost through the shot. Uh, but that obviously didn't uh, pay off. And then also, uh, Moen Ali just couldn't time up at all. They had nobody really, apart from Joe Denley, to spin the ball away from him. And actually, Denley posed him one or two problems, which just wasn't really accurate enough. So, England have to try, I think, to think about moving the ball away more consistently against Smith. And for that reason, I suppose Anderson was much missed because he was the one guy that could probably genuinely swing the ball away against Smith. So they need to find someone like that who can do that kind of thing. And also uh, Joffrey Archer coming back in to play his first ever Test match. I think he will pose different problems getting the ball up from not far short of a length with that extra pace. He might also try uh, a full ball sort of at-leg stump. And it was that sort of area that uh, Liam Plunkett talked about. Many of England's World Cup stars, of course, have been in action in the Ashes but several haven't been quite so lucky. Owen Morgan is doing the business now for Middlesex, and Mark Wood, of course, is injured. And Plunkett has been playing a little bit for Surrey in the Vitality Blast, but now he's injured as well, got hit on the thumb by a beamer against Glamorgan, so he hasn't been able to play any cricket at the moment. And it was interesting to talk to him about perhaps how he would bowl at Steve Smith, but also, first, what it's been like post the World Cup and that sort of inevitably flat, anticlimactic sort of feeling.
2: Uh, obviously two and a half weeks on, I feel like I'm back to, to level really after the highs of the World Cup and then I had a few days where you, you, a little bit of a dip because you go from being with these guys, like a, it is like a band of brothers, you're with them day in, day out in such a let's see, huge occasion and winning that World Cup is something that uh, you might not do again, it was, it's never been done and the way it was won that last over, it, it, was, it was something special. So that was such a high. And then going from that, a couple of days later, uh, he, s- he sat by yourself in the flat. I'm not, I'm not like saying oh, I feel sorry for anything, oh, but it's just the, the bounce of high and low. Uh, and then I played my first T20 game with Surrey. And I, I struggled a little bit, actually. Not that I wasn't up for it. I just, as I said, it was, I was probably exhausted a little bit. And then the second one, I felt really good. I was back to normal the second game. We beat Glamorgan here, bowled them out for 50. And, and, I, and I felt in a good place. So do you think, uh, f-
0: focusing on those uh, sort of lower points, do you think that that was partly exhaustion and partly the sort of exhilaration and, and kind of, because it
2: was such a high, inevitably there's yeah. going to be a low afterwards? Yeah, I think it was. It's, I think when you're in that World Cup bubble or international cricket, even when you play a series, uh, you finish a series and you're exhausted, you find yourself falling asleep in the afternoons and stuff, it's just because you're on and you want to perform and you know it's, everyone's watching you. Uh, and, it's, and it's, you're playing for England uh, so I think it was after that World Cup it, it was just the moment you sit down and you're, you're exhausted uh, you're just thinking about, about the highs and lows of the whole World Cup, about getting beat about not being picked, about doing well it's such a up and down the whole way through uh, and yeah it is a drop off but it's how quick can you level yourself out I struggled to be honest with you for three or four days and like, how did you come out of that then? How, how, did someone help you or did yeah, you I help mean, yourself? Uh, I saw. I spoke to uh, uh, Andrea, the uh, sports psychologist here. Uh, we did like a bit of a debrief, which helped me. We got write some stuff down. Uh, did some bit of a chat with her for about 45 minutes, and I felt that was really useful. Uh, writing stuff down, like what did I enjoy about the World Cup? How can I improve? What was the uh, the best thing about it? What was the worst thing about it? Uh, techni- technically, tactically, mentally, I wrote everything down. So it was quite nice to get that off off my chest and I didn't do that straight away I didn't do that in like a half an hour space I would answer something and maybe come back later in the day or the day after because I didn't want to just write stuff for the sake of it so I actually thought about it for a few days and I took my time filling it in and then we spoke about it Have you looked back at the final? Have you watched the video? Yeah, I've I've watched like the highlights package, like the one where it's condensed into about an hour Uh, I've also watched the clip which is eight minutes long on I think it's one of the apps, like over and over again a few times to get that but I think we want to try and get together as a team. I think speaking tomorrow, we might try and get together and just have a dinner and watch it back, watch some of it back, because it was we won the final, uh, seen the guys, did the thing the day after down the street, came here, and then all of a sudden you've gone. It's uh, the Ashes, you go back to county cricket, and something was a huge thing, probably no doubt probably the biggest game of your life, uh, just the way it unfolded to... You disappear and you don't see them guys. Are you going to be back in that squad? Are you going to be with the same group of players going forward? You know what I mean? You just don't know if you're going to be with that group of people again. Is there a sort of
0: feeling of slight envy that you can see six or seven of those players from the final now immersed in an Ashes series and they've got another kind of challenge, whereas for you it's almost, what do I do next?
2: Yeah, it is. And I think as soon as it finished, it was I had to get my head around back and playing county cricket and county cricket is tough you can't come in uh, like half cooked really you can't come in and not give it your all and that sort of thing I didn't want to come in because you'll get punished some serious players some international players some good county cricketers. I didn't want to turn up uh, half prepared or mentally half prepared uh, and the first game it was I, f- I wanted to come back and perform but I felt it, I felt like in a, a, a daze of the whole game uh, and I bowled two overs for 20 uh, and that could have happened on any given day uh, but I just didn't feel good at all. And as I said the second time, I, I did feel a lot better. But it's trying to get myself, myself into something. Uh, I've signed up. I'm going to do a strength and conditioning course over the next six months. It's something I've always enjoyed doing. I might see myself down the line doing that. You're so, going to get even fitter. You're, you're <laughs> fit enough as it is, surely. <laughs> it's just I would like to get involved because I feel like I know what I've been through over the last year since I've played international level, county, county level I've worked with a lot of S&Cs and I feel with my experience of being a cricketer and doing, doing like uh, sort of your cricket coaching badges which I want to do this year as well and then your S&Cs. The next few years what can I add to my sort of artillery in terms of cricket wise and what can I give to other people. Sometimes I, w- I would just ball uh, on, on a good length. I would put uh, stumps with no middle stump in it and try and ball through there and I'd play uh, cricket golf. So I'd have 18 balls where if I hit the stumps on the length, you get a, uh, a par. If you go through and you hit the actual stumps, if you go through the, the yeah. two in the middle, hit the stumps, you get a birdie. Uh, and if you miss it, it's a bogey, so I'll try what, and do that. What's
0: an eagle then?
2: <laughs> an I, eagle, actually, if you go through and hit top of off stump. Oh, right. Okay. So that's what it'd be. And double bogey if you completely miss everything, I guess. But it's just something... I know sometimes when you're youngster and you come to a net and you, you bowl through and you just bowl through, oh, that feels all right, that feels all right. And where's it actually going? So there's no, no focus, whereas yours, yeah. there is. Yeah, and I, I, it just switches me on straight away and my first ball is I'm trying to hit that. Just looking at, the, at this
0: test match, um, Rory Burns, you played Rory Burns for a, uh, a couple of years or a year or two and you obviously played against him. And then you've seen Steve Smith make all those runs. How is it as a bowler... Bowling at those kind of guys are, are sort of not, not
2: orthodox. I think I think it's hard. I, I remember Yard Yarder used to do it. He used to be stood right across is Can you still focus on where you want to ball? It's disconcerting as a bowler a bit. Yeah, because you it's suddenly just, you think, where are they? Kind of thing. Obviously, Steve Smith is. He goes right across, and you think, oh, it need it would need to be an absolute gem of a Yorker to to get him out of LB because he just gets in the way of it and knocks it for one. He walks right across, clips it for so one. So you think a leg stump Yorker. Might be worth a go because no one's tried that. I don't think. I mean, why not? But it is good that he can. You might get a bit of bat on it, but is it worth it? You know, when you first go in, if you're bowling like someone's bowling rocket, like if Joffer comes in, like, he's one of the best in the world at doing it. Like, is there any chance of there's as good a chance of him doing it. As so, anyone? so a leg stump Yorker from Archer maybe is the. Why not the answer to to Steve Smith? <laughs> I, I just don't because then also, it's like, well, he might clip it for four, you know. But in a way, that's worth the
0: risk, isn't it? Yeah, have you got a feel for it? Well, at first, if you've got a feel for it, and even if it does go for four, it's, it's something different. And the, I suppose the question I, I'm asking you as a, as a bowler is, you know, when you're confronted by somebody like Smith, Steve Smith, do you either go to your basic plan and just say, well, you know, actually, if you bowl a decent ball and it leaves him off the edge, off the, off the pitch, you could get an edge and he'll, mm. he'll get out? Or do you try lots of different plans because he's so different
2: sometimes I think if you're going to try a lot of different plans you could end up fetching leather all of a sudden you ball five overs for 35 or 40 and he's off to a fly because you've tried to get him out and he's given some comfortable balls it's a tough one that's why he's so good that's why I average 60 odd because if you go to I'm just going to outside just leave it leave it across 1-1 he's a good player but but in a way what's happened
0: I think is that players well certainly I, I think England were almost they had a plan but they didn't persevere with that plan yeah for long enough because his method is he's got so much patience and he just outpatiences the bowlers so maybe the bowlers have got to outpatience him just keep bowling just outside off and make him
2: eventually make a mistake that's the thing with well, things obviously you get good test wickets so if you do that the ball just gets knackered gets softer and then it, his eyes in then it's easier to play shots and then he's seen the ones he's leaving and he's hitting them for boundaries so it's He's obviously got a technique that's, that's working, that's why he's one of the best in the world at doing it. I think you've got to attack the stumps early, I think, especially if Joff comes in with pace. Have your feel? attack the stumps.
0: Well, Plunkett's heading off to America now for a a little break to try and get himself fit to play the last few games for Surrey in the Vitality Blast and, and hope to compete for England's T20 side as well because, of course, they play some T20 games in New Zealand towards the end of the year. His image was on one of 11 special covers that we at the Cricketer Magazine produced to commemorate England's fantastic World Cup victory. So there's one cover for each of the stars from that final and uh, you can pick up all those and get a subscription to The Cricketer if you go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash celebrate and there it's the subscription of £20.19 for a year for The Cricketer magazine and you can get uh, whichever cover you choose as well to commemorate that amazing World Cup triumph. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that edition of the Analyst Inside Cricket. Simon Mann will be back next week from his holidays to assess how England go from here. We'll do another podcast in a week's time, looking ahead to the Lord's Test. Lots of thinking to be done for England in the meantime, with Australia Hoop 1-0 up in the Ashes. Let's hope England can come up with some plans for Steve Smith. Thanks for listening, and we'll speak to you next week.
1: Podcast Network.